0: Greetings and welcome listeners. My name is Dia Isidora Durden Robertson, and I am your occultist next door today. Join me for an explorative discussion and series of interviews in the topic of esoteric science and spirituality at Ask Your Occultist Next Door. Listeners. I am once again here with my dear sister Sunshine mm-hmm. and today we have decided to depart our toes into the world of blood magic and blood mysteries for you and just have an open discussion about the ins and outs of traditional practices around blood magic and, and the mysteries within our blood this is a huge topic to explore. So we will highlight certain aspect of it that is close to our hearts, our understanding and our experiences. And of course, at the same time, answer your questions that you have uh, already submitted to me uh, one way or another as best we can. Mm. So I really want to use this opportunity speaking on blood magic to say that actually when we are looking at uh, our blood as a as a form of our essence there is this general understanding that parting with our blood in any kind of form, and I mean blood in our veins as much as menstrual blood for, uh, for the feminine. So I am not addressing just menstrual blood or moon blood in this podcast. That all I'm talking all and all any kind of, any kind of blood that flows um, in your veins or within you. We need to understand that this is essentially um, a. a storage, a space where our DNA is held and hidden. Mm -hmm. So our entire essence and our entire ancestry is in this drop of blood. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I am strongly um, with the belief that parting with this blood should be done in a very specific way, uh, in a very uh, safe and held way, uh, in order to, first of all, honor um, those, that medicine from our ancestors in our blood, but also mm-hmm. just exercise a sense of caution around where we leave parts of ourselves. Mm-hmm.
1: Good point. Good point, because it is such a powerful offering that we make.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So that is one of the understandings and a lot of the questions I've received were about this, about making your bloods an offering. And although I know that this is popular nowadays as a practice and, and it's, it's got a huge power in reclamation of, of feminine power and our ability to connect to the land. I never felt that this should be your first step.
1: Mm. I always felt that
0: making an offering and understood and learned that making an offering is is really down the line of practicing with your blood. So then it begs the question, what is the next step or the first one? What yeah, do you do start. first? Where do you start? Where well, you start with the understanding and research again, study uh, cultures that involve around the blood, study symbolism that, that is involved around the blood, and then understand what it means both collectively and for your experience to um, shed blood, to have blood. And you can call this almost like a, a story of the red thread Mm. If you're like your own red thread that is, that is in your veins right now, that is fueling your physical body, also have uh, an energetic um, vibration that is completely unique to you, which is why no, one, no one's blood is exactly the same.
1: Mm.
0: Not even if, you, if your twins came from the same womb, you still have differences in your, in your, mm-hmm. in your DNA. Right so this is the physical aspect and the energetic aspect of this is that your vibration is also completely unique, so really, what you are is your blood, so let's just learn about what we are first and who we are, and we can do that by studying ancestry first uh seeing and uh exploring what people who came before us with the same bloodlines were experiencing because that that is coded in our DNA. And then maybe if it's possible to hear those stories in person, that's beautiful. But of course, if you want to go further back, do that research, really go back in the past and see where your blood came from and where is it headed.
1: To have an understanding of who you are. Exactly.
0: Something. This is self-awareness. This is self-work first working with the blood. And then the mystery comes in and the ritual practices come a lot later, but the mystery comes in when we say, okay, so this is my essence. My blood is my essence. Uh, So what power can I move sharing my essence? Mm. And who and what I share my essence with, that is a powerful choice to make on its own. And then we can go into, into more of the, um, the occult aspect of it, because of course we are an occult podcast, that in, in a lot of the ancient occultic rituals, sharing, mixing and drinking blood was a completely common practice and I'm sure it's
1: sharing mixing mixing and drinking drinking
0: blood oh this
1: is so interesting tell me more
0: (laughs) right so um when I say sharing blood Mm -hmm. I mean um the practices of anointing and embalming someone with, with a blood infused substance
1: what do you mean like a like a perfume or an or uh um, oil and mm-hmm. ointment okay. so you
0: could mix your blood um in not that i'm suggesting anyone's doing this we're talking theoretically right <laughs> i don't want anyone to listen to this podcast and it's like oh i'm mixing this up and spreading it all over myself tomorrow yeah um,
1: maybe not let's not do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Right. So you can. Uh, so the traditional practices were to infuse oils and um, resins with the blood mm-hmm. and ke- create a blooded paste. Mm-hmm. That then would you be used for embalming and ritual preparation. So then, in this aspect, the blood becomes a substance of preparing the physical body to a journey to a different world, different realm.
1: Oh, that's really beautiful.
0: Right. And then there are. Um, mixing blood right so you, what is that you see this in historical um stories right you just might not realize so, oh like like a blood like, oath like a blood oath that's mm. mixing blood so mm-hmm. of course um hollywood probably portray portrays blood oath as a, a cut on her hand this is what i see commonly yep. and a handshake mm-hmm. right which is which is a very shallow kind of quickly figured out a way of mixing blood. But the same blood oath would be practiced uh, and I can bring back a lot of the Eastern European cultures. The blood would be uh, squeezed or poured uh, from the hand or from the veins into a bowl, a mm. chalice, a blooded chalice, right? Oh. And then each <laughs> and every participant would place a little drop of blood. A little
1: drop of blood. Yes. Oh. And
0: then everyone would either... Um, consume just a a sip of that blood in a circle. So that would be their blood oath and blood pact. Or sometimes in a form of libation, pouring it on the earth. If the blood oath and the blood pact was over land, which was a common way of practicing, then this blood would be poured onto the earth because mm. that was the, the subject of the agreement.
1: Yes, I can understand that. Okay. okay. So
0: there is there is uh, historical stories about the 13 blood brothers who came and uh, from the Urals uh, onto the land of Europe, what we call Europe now, came together. They were separate tribes and they made a blood pact in such a way I just explained. Mm. So that is still blood magic. Mm-hmm. But it's not uh, a kind of blood magic that is very orchestrated or very structured is almost just part of uh, every single tradition there is because you gotta think that these tribes came from different parts of the world so clearly they didn't have the exact same understanding but somehow that was something they had in common and that the agreements were made like that Uh, signing your name on a contract with blood was a very powerful way oh yeah making agreements in agreement now that's binding that's binding okay so that's a good point you're making because i i started this podcast with a caution of be careful where you put your blood so when you signed your name with blood you can use your blood for binding yourself to an agreement to another person, uh, to a story, to an experience and to the land. And so that is where, you know, the offerings came in, in terms of what is popular today is offering your moon blood, for example, um, was actually with the intention of binding yourself to the land, creating a, a two way connection. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? Priestesses and practitioners would do this, because uh, they wanted to be able to cultivate a very intimate relationship with sacred sites so they can return to those places etherically. Well,
1: that's what I do.
0: Exactly. That's <laughs> what you do, right? That is the original intention.
1: When I didn't I... know that at the beginning, but now I do. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I am learning. The more that I give my moon blood to the earth, the more she opens up so many layers of wisdom and awareness. Mm.
0: Exactly. So you intuitively connected dots in a way, because you are actually practicing a very ancient tradition. or You arrived to the point of doing this. But I guess when you started, that wasn't quite that clear. Mm -mm. So I think for a lot of uh, um, sisters and brothers who I've received questions from, this is the beginning of their journey with the blood. And I see a pattern of uh, of pouring, uh, and then in this in this case, I'm referring to menstrual blood or moon blood poured onto the earth as a form of offering. But there's no oath or agreement follows that offering. Mm. In, every situ- yeah. in every situation, not every situation. But you can, you can, and you should.
1: And you should, absolutely, and sister. So
0: if you do decide that this is how you want to use your blood, this is your own blood, nobody can tell you how to use it, but that is, if this is how you decide to use it, then you should make that oath and you should make those agreements. And if you're not 100% clear on those agreements and the actual um, outcome of those agreements, then I really think that you shouldn't make the offering until you have clarity because mm. sometimes we also offer blood out of desperation.
1: Oh, that's never good. And that
0: never works out.
1: No, no, no. Um,
0: yes. Yeah. So, um, the other aspect uh, I was I was uh, addressing with the sharing of the blood is divination.
1: Oh, tell me more about that. So,
0: <laughs> divination is 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 also, um, of course, if someone doesn't know the term, is when we are. Um, Reaching out to other realms and to divinity to find out information, to find out truth. So, divining divination could be reading tarot, it could be reading crystal balls, it uh, could be reading symbols. Um, and how blood enters into the world of divination is that it's actually uh, because of the code, DNA codes in the blood, consuming just a drop of your own blood activates memories oh. in you so you get um consider a little boost for your divination when you actually just taste a drop of your own blood or someone else's but let's just stick to let's just stick to the less complicated stuff oh around goodness. the blood <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to do, go too far into this uh to avoid confusion uh so let's just stick to the fact that you do this with your own blood it opens another channel another portal um that you can access through that practice now i also mentioned drinking your own blood um oh this one has to come with a, a tag of caution as well of course um you can only truly honestly consume a small amount of blood without having a toxic response that's biology mm-hmm. right? so when i'm and i'm saying uh have a sip of your blood uh please don't visualize uh one of those um. Uh, television shows with vampires drinking people dry or or the or the other scenarios when there's a tremendous amount of blood involved in the scene because that's not what i'm referring to and actually every drop and when i say really just a tiny drop is just as powerful as 20. Because so it's
1: like homeopathic
0: it's homeopathic <laughs> that's a wonderful way to approach it <laughs> it's a homeopathic dose of blood um the amount doesn't matter because it's the essence is, is equally present in, in little and a lot.
1: So you're saying like even just licking your finger.
0: Um, let's say you cut your finger in the kitchen. Uh huh. You will bleed. Use the blood for, you know, use the blood for uh, your divination. Use the blood for a spell.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: We're talking about a drop. Okay. Yeah. Um, now there are cultures and traditions where... um consuming or working with the blood is, is very ingrained in the practices mm-hmm. um, but then that again we're going down the story of empirism and I don't necessarily want to go there today uh, that exists, that's that's an occult reality no no denying it um, but I just sort of want to come back to really just giving practical, practical practical advice on how we can use our blood for magic
1: <laughs> I know because I just got all these images in my head <laughs> and I was like oh my gosh well i
0: think it's important that we look that way as well um because that is that is the reality yeah
1: that is the reality that's not my reality though
0: no but it's present so you know awareness is to both sides of the coin is always the best way to practice occult mm. magic and this is working with blood is definitely occult magic um now for men, especially, I want to address this. Like you don't have to have a bleeding womb in order to access your blood, because there's blood in your veins as well, of course. So, none of these um, stories I mentioned are actually uh, limited to menstrual blood. But, but the questions we've got were: so, shall we go down the, the rabbit hole of uh, talking about moon blood offering?
1: Oh yes, because. I love that.
0: Okay, so do you want to tell uh, our listeners mm. on how do you feel a moonblood shall be offered?
1: Well, first of all, I have to say this is a very intimate conversation for me to have. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, because this is this is deeply personal for me. Uh, but you know this how it how it all began for me. My awareness. Well, first of all, I have to say I am a midwife, so I am quite comfortable with blood, and I I see a lot of it actually, and I have a deep respect for blood, blood and placentas, mm-hmm. and newborn babies, and all that good stuff. Mm. But when it all began for me, when uh, with my my the birth of my first child. I had nine months of no bleeding, and then I had several months postpartum while I was breastfeeding, where I had no bleeding. And when I started my, my moon again, I was overwhelmed with a sense of oh, just so much love and respect. And that is when I started well, I had learned about using only using cloth. Pads. Uh, I learned early on in my life about not using any tampons because they're loaded with nasty chemicals that actually make you bleed more. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the importance of allowing the blood to come out and not stopping up the flow. Mm-hmm. And so when I got my, my moon the first time um, postpartum, I was just so overwhelmed that I immediately went outside and with my, with my baby nursing at my breast, I just squatted on the earth and I just let it flow. Mm -hmm. And, and it, I felt the connection. She was, not only was I holding my child as the great mother, but she was holding me. The earth was holding me as the great mother. And in every way I was feeding her back that which she has given to me and oh it was a pivotal moment in my life and and so i use a moon cup and it is my sacred chalice mm-hmm. and i save every drop i even you, rinse it and i put it back into my my offering jar mm-hmm. um and uh and i do as you say i go to sacred places i do pilgrimages where i take my blood back Um, don't leave it too long in the jar, (laughs) my advice, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, you want this to be fresh and, uh, and alive (laughs) with, with all of your essence. And so for me, now that I've been, uh, leaving little, just parts of me everywhere that I hold sacred and I've, and, and these are offerings that I'm putting on the altar of Gaia, I am now able to connect to all of those places and reemerge because I'm one with the soil and the rocks and and it's like magic it's like a true form of shape shifting and and arriving and you know diving and swimming through the tributaries of energy lines that that are coursing through our planet
0: mm-hmm. so.
1: So that's a wee bit about...
0: That's that's a beautiful story on its own and just returning. It really shows and highlights what I said earlier about, you know, leaving your essence and sharing your essence with Gaia and feeling held by her is because you are creating a contract a binding to mm-hmm. her. And not that you're not off here or that it's necessarily... necessarily what you must do every month but that you have that option as Mm -hmm. a a nourishing nurturing experience Mm -hmm. for both uh the receiving which is which is in in this case the muddy earth and and both for you to to make that offering
1: mm-hmm. and i am every moon time i am yeah. i am recommitting yes my devotion to, to this beautiful mama earth
0: mm-hmm. exactly so one of our questions was um and yes so the question here was um along the lines of i'm i'm um, um that, what other things one can do with the moon blood apart from offering it to the earth? Mm. Um, and in order to answer that question, I just really want to go into what uh, moon blood is as opposed to blood in your veins. So, um, in many of the ancient Babylonian and Egyptian traditions, there's a distinction between the two types of blood, and our moon blood is considered death blood. Mm. you've told me this before yes and blood in our veins is considered life blood Mm. why is that uh the bleeding from your womb is a shedding of of the wall of your uterus Mm -hmm. right um please correct me if i say some some medical terms wrong but um so you are essentially shedding that blood because you are experiencing a process of dying Mm -hmm. something's leaving your body because life didn't happen so in, in based on the energetics of that experience um that is considered death blood and so that then implies that when we are bleeding women are bleeding we are experiencing death every month and we have that journey of almost resurrection every month throughout that practice mm-hmm. so because of that moonblood specifically is used for resurrection rites so the recreation of life and you can really look at that of course as human life but you can look at it as resurrecting other things interesting in life right?
1: So like projects, resurrecting?
0: You know, that's a very masculine thinking. Projects and work. (laughs) Yes, you can resurrect your projects and work, um, but you can recreate anything that you want to be living. Hmm. So yes, applies to projects and business, applies to things that are fading away. Placing your blood on them, applying your blood on them, drawing symbols with your blood on them can create a resurrective effect. Mm. So the rituals around the moon blood are actually were mostly in the in the world of life, death, rebirth and resurrection mm-hmm. rather than connecting to the earth. Mm. And then the life blood from, that flows from our veins were actually the ones that were offered to the land. So if you think about uh, animal sacrifices, and there is actually, uh, most traditions make a very clear point that this animal sacrifice has to be alive, Um, maybe docile, but still alive. And the reason for that is because the the pouring of the living blood on the earth is the the true offering. Mm. Um, there are other traditions also that prefer to consume the the death blood, the moon blood. So, again, resurrecting. So, resurrecting the, the body of the individual that is bleeding, right? So, there's a recycling, there's a flow of life going back to the body and uh, and then using the, the life blood, um, giving it to the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as the question was a moonblood, so I would I would really consider using moonblood uh, in a form of uh, resurrection, and I use I do use it uh, as um, an exchange. And to to use it on uh, if anyone's uh, exploring the world of sigil magic, for example, I find it very powerful to to work and draw your sigils with with your own blood. Um, so that would be another way you can use moon blood. Um, also, it doesn't necessarily have to be used and given. Sometimes you can use your moon blood just to be present with the experience, just to show up in a ritual and sacred space whilst ble- bleeding. So you don't actually have to necessarily give or put your blood anywhere uh-huh. in order to work blood magic, right? Mm. That's one way of thinking, one way of doing it, but it's definitely not limited to this. So when when uh, answering this question, just think about. The time you're bleeding and you experience uh, this death blood leaving your body and how you act and what offerings you make what prayers do you make what thoughts you have what ex- emotions you have and work with that energy during your moon time um
1: oh i like that yeah mm-hmm. so it doesn't
0: it doesn't necessarily have to be placed mm-hmm. anywhere mm-hmm. in order for the magical aspect to to be there present. Um, And there was also um, a really interesting question that I've got. uh, I think that was also I think that was from social media um, about what about traditions where um, sort of the blood is is man, the blood of men is used in ritual, but the blood of women is sort of not necessarily welcome. Okay. Um, there are <clears throat> traditions in the world today where bleeding women are shunned.
1: Oh, I know. I've yes. experienced a lot of yeah, that, yes, actually. Yes, exactly.
0: Um, so if you think about... Um, they, but these, these traditions still practice blood magic. They will just use blood from the veins. And it's, it's often the high priests and the, and the men, the shaman, the male practitioners' blood that will be used. They'll either be mixed in a paste to deliver blessings, or they'll be somehow consumed. Um, so, I think this is probably relevant if you don't have a bleeding womb uh, or a womb at all. You can use your you can use a drop of your blood um, the exact same way as any any other person would. Um, so the traditions, the practices will not change. It's just your you know, the blood comes from somewhere else. Right. Mm. So
1: I'm sure that people are going to have a lot more questions about uh, there, this.
0: <laughs> there, are, there are a lot more questions, but they all along, the, we sort of answer them. Um, so thank you so much for asking these questions and sharing your experience. And I'm really looking forward to hearing from um, you, your feedback. What do you think about what you've heard? Uh, I am fully aware that these are uh, edgy and yeah, would a little say uncomfortable so. subject and that is what the occultist next door <laughs> is about so if you're listening to us uh, talking that that is what you came here for um so hmm. please let me know how this feels um and um what you do with your blood and where and where you got the formulas and rituals that you've used and um how you practice
1: yeah i would like to hear more about how other people do
0: absolutely (laughs) right thank you so much for joining me in sunshine and i wish you a beautiful rest of your day blessed be blessed be